0: your host Sarah and
1: I'm your other host Morgan. We're two sisters
0: by marriage
1: who love to talk about stories
0: from writing fiction and creating elaborate plot lines in D&D
1: to understanding that ending is such sweet sorrow. We're out,
0: out of initiative. initiative. I like yeah. the I like the drama. It's great.
1: It is it's fun. Uh I am extra dramatic today because we're talking about endings and I'm horrible at endings in writing both, uh, narratively, like just in writing fiction and also, uh, coming up on a really big ending for us in our D&D game. Uh, so I desperately, desperately want your help, Sarah. Teach me how to write endings.
0: Okay. I, I will try. Yeah. Um, endings are tough. I think they, you know, beginning, beginning of story obviously is tough, but endings, um, definitely there's a sense of um, loss when you're kind of, when you finish a book, you're saying goodbye to these characters, you're saying goodbye to this world, and then when you're writing, you're just even more invested. Um, there's such a, such a connection that you have, and so uh, you want the ending to... Uh, reflect the character's growth but you want it to satisfy the reader as well and I think that's always a a tricky tricky task to do Um, because you want to you want the reader to be satisfied and to be happy but you also want the character to end where is a good place for them to end Um, and it it is it's tough it's tough
1: so but I also really want an ending that sticks with the reader or the players long after the story has closed. Um, and sometimes it feels like it has to be dramatic, but like, am I, am I overthinking this? Like, have I really dressed today? Like, a a widow at her own husband, her own husband, who she murdered funeral. Uh, I did that like, int- like thinking as a joke, but like, I also feel like that's how I approach end- endings. Like it has to be some cataclysmic, huge, earth shattering thing and is like, is that the only way to do it? I I mean, I think
0: just the natural progression of the story, you're going to have your climax towards the end of your story. It's going to be in act three. It's going to be one of your final chapters. Um, I would say it's usually like the fourth or third chapter to the end. And then it, in my case, I usually have one chapter afterwards that kind of wraps up everything. So about the 90 to 95% mark you're gonna have your climax. That's just the natural progression of a story. So it does ramp up. There's a lot of tension. Everything that's been built up at the beginning finally comes to a climax. Uh, your hero meets the antagonist and one of them succeeds or something happens. Um, so I think that's just that's just the nature of writing stories. Um, but the climaxes, they don't have to be like an epic battle. They can just be your hero finds, um, you know, if they were adopted, they find their birth parents or something. It could be something that's a lot more um, like a gentle <laughs> climax that's exciting. Um, and they worked really hard at the beginning of the story to find this and the mystery and everything. Um, so it's more like a resolve of um, their journey instead of just like this great battle. Like um, So, yeah, that's it's it's tough, though. Because you don't, you don't want it to necessarily be um, so big that there's more loose ends created from <laughs> that climax. You, you definitely don't want to reveal more that wasn't built up at the beginning. And I think that's when readers kind of feel a little cheated sometimes. Uh, what do they say? the, What is the God? Hand of God. What is that called?
1: Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, Deus Ex Machina. Hand of
0: the Machine? out of the machine? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember it, but it's that. And I think you see that in movies or you see that in books. And I think when your character, your main character, has worked really hard to accomplish something or has grown, and then at the end, they're faced in this final confrontation and someone else just shows up and, like, helps them. It's like, where were they at the beginning? Like, this is... I feel cheated. I feel robbed of this story. So um, you have to make the ending, if they do succeed or don't succeed, it has to be justified and earned. They have to, their entire growth hinges um, on that final interaction. They're now using all the strength they've gained or lessons or whatever they, they're now using at the end. You see it come to a culmination. And I think with D&D, it's the same way. Um, you want the characters, their growth, and they're getting stronger and better- spells and they traveled a lot more um and so now when they find, finally get to the big battle they finally you know get to their ending place they've resolved a lot of their either backstory stuff um yeah you want it satisfied for everybody
1: so, so promise and payoff right so we learned the skills the character had to go through some struggles and then we get that payoff we get that in the end we get that like Good job, you worked for it and now you've got it. And that's cool, we love that. From a D&D perspective, as a character, um we were just talking about this there was a tiktok where a guy said like shoot the monk like throw stuff at the monk the monk has the ability to deflect missiles and throw them back and how badass is that like everyone likes that so you should shoot the monk and i know that our monk in our campaign has commented on this recently he was like man why does no one ever shoot any arrows at me to be fair he's a melee fighter so anyone who could shoot an arrow at him he gets up really close and like we i missed my shot but um But it's interesting because I was like, oh, that's one of those things that, like, you guys get these abilities and these magic items, and everything builds and builds and builds up until the end of the story. And I want to make sure that I pull on what you've learned, right? Like a character in a novel, I want you to use what you've learned, the information and the skills and abilities, and I want you to layer them all on top of each other. And you're going to use that to save the world. And that sounds so cool. But at what point am I working? too hard like at what point are you as a player like okay he's up there yeah 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 I got a book of shadows but like it doesn't need to come up every five minutes
0: oh yeah and you know all the magical items that we've acquired we're not going to use them every single session but we have them in our back pocket and so when the time does come up we have it we have we have more access to um, to those special abilities or special weapons or items and, yeah I I think you know you have the high level wizards that have access to counter spell. You need to throw spells at them, give them opportunities. I think, and again, it's just, we could, you know, we have a whole discussion on creating encounters and that kind of thing. Cause you're not going to be able to every time have that. Um, but I, you know, we've discovered that with higher levels, like, it's almost higher stakes like we can take on more stuff but they're doing a lot more damage too when they finally do get ahead and so um i do like that tension as you get higher levels in your game um which is it's it's how it should go it should continue you know to become harder and harder um more strategic and more careful and um yeah
1: so magic items shouldn't come up every session, right? But I also don't feel like they should be this the only solution to every puzzle. I think we've talked about this a little bit before when we talked about making custom magic items. If I make you a custom magic item, cool, excellent. I love that you're using this custom thing when you think to use it and when you want to use it, but like especially if it's a wall of text or it's a niche item, um as a DM, I try really hard to never ever write a puzzle that the only solution is that one magic item that you have to remember you have, which is hard and remember how to use it because I think that's asking too much, but I also think that I'm, that's, am I deflecting? I'm trying hard not to talk about the ending by talking about the middle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the middle. Are you, so with our campaign coming close to an end, are you, feeling like there's still too many loose ends? Are you feeling like there's certain characters that haven't got enough time? Because there's definitely with D&D, with each of the backstories, everyone kind of needs their own story, right? The Plus, yeah. there's a, Yeah. And if, if we're, you know, depending on your backstory, if you write like some characters like Ruby, my cleric doesn't really have much of a backstory. There wasn't really much to pursue there. Um, whereas Zela, my warlock has a lot more. And... So I think you kind of want everyone to have their moment, but no matter what, you're going to have some that are a little bit more than others. Do you feel like there's still more to explore or do you feel like everyone's pretty good in that aspect?
1: This is kind of funny because I think this is the place where we talk a lot about how writing fiction and and writing D&D stories or running D&D games have a ton of overlap. And this is an area where they, I think, divert hard in the opposite direction which is if i'm reading fiction if i'm reading a piece and uh somebody mentions in the story that there's illegally imported wood exotic wood coming into the dock ward and being sold on the black market through all of waterdeep and then the story ends and we never hear anything more about it but we heard enough of it to be like intrigued like was that really just for flavor it was like it was very colorful and it added to the area but like that seems like kind of a lot, and as a reader, I think I'd be a little disappointed. Like, I'd be writing, like, "Hey, great book, I loved your writing," and also, "What the heck was happening with the exotic wood? I need to know." Whereas in D and D, we leave all these breadcrumbs, all these possible threads you guys might follow, and if you just don't go, it just doesn't happen, and then that's okay. So it on on one hand, yeah, there are a ton of loose ends, there are a lot of things that could be buttoned up, but I was really prepared to say nobody cares about these things and i will save them as story beats for another campaign um but then something kind of funny happened, which was we're coming to I was in my head thinking we're heading into that. We are starting now the final arc of the campaign. I don't know how long it will take. Um, you, It could take one session. Literally, if you guys were like, I'm going to charge right into where we know the bad guys are and we're going to take them head on. Um, you know, this could be one and done. And we could be wrapping this up tomorrow. Literally tomorrow is our next session. So that's kind of funny. But then I thought like, well, I want to make sure that we're using this time effectively. So in the session, I said, hey, a quick show of hands, you can go directly there. We can vote offline, but you can go directly there and take them on, knowing now that they've gained some information that hasn't yet reached the big bad. Or you can wait. You have an event that's in like 43 days. Uh, you have an event that's happening that will make you all significantly stronger in some way and better suited to fight these guys. But it does mean that the big bad has a little more time to work with this information they've gained and can potentially become stronger. So fight now, high risk, but potentially weaker or fight later, you might be stronger, but they will also probably be stronger. And the group, uh, four out of five, said, let's wait, let's train, let's take this time, get a little bit stronger and then go in. Um, Great, that sounds good what do you guys want to do? So in my head, I'm thinking, I want to know what the party wants to do. So I put together, I use a really super simple Excel. uh, Well, it's Google, Google sheets. It's Excel online um, Google sheet uh, spreadsheet to track our calendar in game largely because sometimes questions will come up like, Oh, I want to come back in a week and do blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't remember how many long rests you guys have taken. I don't know how many days it's been. So if I use just little check boxes, I can keep track of the time. It also helps me answer questions like, wait, how long have we even known each other? Um, Like seven weeks, it's not very long. This has been a very like over two and a half years. It's been like time-wise, a pretty short campaign. Um, so I just started, copied some of that into a sheet that I shared with the party and said, here are some places for you to make a list. What do you wanna do between now and this day and 43 days where you guys can go to this event and become stronger? Uh, and I asked the party to make a list. Everybody started making their list. And I cannot believe how many loose threads I thought I was going to just leave behind that the party really latched onto. Um, Somebody did want to follow up on importing the exotic wood and the dock ward. Somebody wanted to follow up on an enemy. You narrowly escaped several levels ago. Somebody wanted to follow up on um, a major event happening in town. That was literally from five levels ago that I did not think you guys were going to come back to. Uh, And You've all added, first of all, two amazing things, which is what you want. So now I know what to write based on specifically what these players want to do. And number two, um, a ton of content. So like we went from this could end tomorrow to, oh, I think that you guys have added potentially up to another year to this campaign um, if we were going to try to see all of these things through. The other really cool thing was by saying, if you wanna take some time to train in this downtime and maybe try to hone some of your skills, I'll allow it and just let me know what you want and we'll work together on it. And every single person who said they wanted to train a skill specified which other party member they would want to work with to train that skill up. I figured someone would say like, I wanna work on strength. I'm gonna go lift weights and go to the gym and run up and down the block. But instead they say, I'm going to work with Baron, who's the strongest party member, and have him teach me what he does to get strong. And like the fact that all these inter-party connections just immediately wrote themselves was really cool. And again, has moved us away from the ending and more to like a midpoint. But now I'm kind of like, oh, I can see what's coming and I can plan ahead a little bit more. That was a very long and uh, verbose way to say uh, there's a lot of cool stuff happening and there were a lot of loose ends. But I do feel like the party has let me know which ones they want to button up and which ones they don't care about, which is great. That's awesome. I can write accordingly now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this campaign is two years, two and a half years. Yeah, we're coming up on two and a half years. And I know there are campaigns that are four or five years long. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot to work with depending on how fast you level up and how often you meet and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, there was there was some loose ends for sure. There was some, you know, boss fights, big bads that we wanted to go after um, and the training. And I think because we have been pursuing a lot of um, like side quests and that kind of thing, we haven't had a lot, like you said, downtime to just spend a week or two like my character wants to go to the local library and just research stuff and learn stuff. And I think that would be great. And we don't have to like role play the whole thing. Um, we can kind of speed up a little bit if we want. But I think that's we've we've progressed enough in the story that we have funds to do that. We have a place to live now. We have um, most of the immediate threat under control. <laughs> and if they do come after we have we have we have some defense now. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, and then there's a lot too, that's come up when I've talked to the other players about what happens after we face the big bad, where do we want our characters to end up? Do we want them to continue adventuring? Do we want them to move back home? Do we, you know, want to start a business? Um, just, and I think after we end, I've never finished a full campaign, but I think it would be great. I think it would be great after we finally, end where we end to have a whole session or close to a whole session, just talking about what happened to our characters and where they are now. Um, kind of, I think that would be kind of fun, like a epilogue sort of thing. Hey, um, yeah. would be great. Would be great. Right.
1: Funny you say that because we've talked about this before, not in a podcast, but offline that uh, four of the five uh, players have come to me and said, if my character dies in the final standoff,
0: that'd be all right. And a
1: I of thought of, that you were me requesting it. Yeah, you
0: told me that. And I was like, that, first of all, doesn't surprise me. Makes and sense with this group. Completely cracks me up that everyone is so drama. Like they want so, that I mean. drama, you know? And we love our characters and everything. But oh, at the end, man, that would be so good, right? Like it just, it would just get you. Um, but that's, I think that's hilarious. It's so funny to me. There, yeah. And then
1: I mentioned this to the fifth player who had not come to me and said this, and he was like, "Hmm. Now that I think about it, it probably would be fine if he died in the end." (laughs) Which was just like, "I can't kill all of you. Who wins? Like who? Or or maybe the big bad wins? Like I like it doesn't need to be a Deus Ex Machina. Like it doesn't have to be that the good guys win. Like this could be a story of tragedy. Like all that, all that training and build up only to like lose. That can happen." Yeah, it's D&D. Anything can happen. Yeah. So yeah. when we're thinking about like the structure of a story, when I'm thinking about the end of this story, I kind of had it in mind pretty early on when I started writing this campaign. Um, And I would say I approach fiction the same way. I have an idea. Uh, normally I have a character first, like a character or a scenario. And we've talked about this a little bit, like how do we set it up? How do we build the world? um but usually shortly afterward I have some idea of how I wanted to end but it's like pretty vague and usually I start writing and I'm like that sucked I'm gonna come back to it later and I I very much struggle with like what I felt like D&D was even it was so much easier but in fiction I was like I don't know how to make a decision about how the story should end like I felt like hopefully it will come to me as I'm writing, but now I'm like, okay, I'm 75% done with this novel, and uh, I don't actually know specifically how it's gonna end.
0: I have rewrote endings multiple times on my manuscripts, and I think if you're doing, if you don't outline at all, you're gonna have a little bit more of a challenge, um, because you'll have a definitely a chance to write yourself into a corner because if you keep giving your character hard decisions or you keep you know just the way stories go you have you know the dark night of the soul and you have like all hope is lost and you have these moments that they there is no foreseeable way for them to survive this or escape this like that is the intention before they finally figure it out they find their inner strength or they find whatever it is they were missing and come out of it but there, if you're not outlining, if you're not very clear about how they will overcome that, you will just write yourself into a corner and have to kind of backtrack and go wait, wait, wait. How, how did, how did where they started and where they are now? Um, what happened to that you can kind of use as their strength and as their um, way they overcome this. Um, so yeah, outlining. I know I'm a big fan of outlining. We we've had whole discussions about this, but. Um, that's a big, that's a big part because you are trying to put these challenges and blocks in front of them the whole time. You have to leave yourself a path for them to get through, um, <laughs> or you could be, you could get in some trouble. So, but I've had that and you, and you also want it to be, um, something that kind of reflects on, um, the beginning, the whole theme, the whole theme of your story, um, the way they overcame it is forgiving their best friend that betrayed them or learning to trust again or something like that is the underlying tone. Now, obviously it's like they give them the magical sword and they have to trust that the magical sword is going to help them or whatever. Um, you have to ha- kind of have it meet your theme. Also, you have multiple layers there. Um, and it, and again, if you outline then you can kind of be like, oh yeah, this is, this is where it needs to go. Um, but I've done it. I've, I've rewrote endings a few times. Usually it's climax on. I write at the climax. I'm like this, either the climax is, um, it's just, it's usually not enough. It's not enough. You have to dial it to 11. It's gotta be the reader is right along with the character saying, oh no, like there's no way they can get out of this. And then they keep turning the page and you keep going. So it's usually, yeah, it's usually climax on. How can I make this? how can i how can i um make this have more tension um one tv show not a book well it's actually a book sort of a book is the expanse uh it's yeah. a sci-fi show they are, they're they're at how we can make something bad worse and then make <laughs> it even more worse and part of it's that you're in space right you're in a yes. spaceship so anything you're dealing with like you know, if there's a fight or if there's a lack of food or water, or oxygen, like it just amplified because you're also in a spaceship and there's no help anywhere and everything. So but the expanse is great. Um The books are great too. Cause it's, it just keep those climaxes. It's just, this is bad. Oh, this is worse. Oh, this is even more worse. And it just compounds. And It's great. It's great.
1: Well, so that's interesting because I, uh, a couple of years ago, I heard a, jim butcher speak at a panel at emerald city comic-con and he talked about scope creep which i think is such an interesting concept where uh, his series the dresden files um about that chauvinist uh wizard uh every book things get a little bit worse like every time you're like that's the worst thing dresden's ever going to get into something worse happens um and you get to a point where like he was saying when you're writing you get to a point where like are gonna have to save the world and then what's the next book about like the universe like how much bigger like at some point you've you've uh on a grander scheme written yourself into a corner because there's n- you can't go any bigger than that
0: yep there's definitely a ceiling like with Avengers or a lot of those it's like aliens attacking or time you know going backwards or 50% disappeared like you cannot get any higher like that's it That's, that's where you are. And I think that's why a lot of people like Spider-Man because it's like more localized. Yeah. Like his neighborhood, you know, there's like one bad guy. Um, Yeah, there's definitely a ceiling. So you kind of have to keep that in mind too. Um, So your readers or whoever, you know, they don't get bored because it it does kind of, you get kind of that burnout after a while
1: oh good we're saving the world again oh man now it's the timeline there's nothing bigger than the. oh look you found something somehow bigger yeah that's i think about that yeah. a lot especially in D, because i think uh like you saved the town nice and now you have to save the region nice and now you have to save the world and like so then what like we saved the world and he, like when you want to bring on a god <laughs> i can take that like i did it already yeah.
0: Yeah, Game of Thrones kind of does that too, where they're having the political turmoil. But then there's also the White Walkers that no one's paying attention to. So it's like in the background the whole time. Um, so that was really good because it's like the reader knows that there's something way worse than this drama for the throne. Like that shouldn't even matter. Um, and so that was great because it just steadily built more and more throughout the books.
1: Um, So what... Obviously, you're an advocate of um, outlining, but when we're thinking on a grand scale, uh, as far as writing endings, you know, I've got that blank page in front of me. Maybe I've outlined, maybe I haven't. I might have some rough idea of where this is going. I'm not going to let my scope creep up. Uh, I'm going to make sure that there's a payoff to this promise that you made me earlier in the book. All of the great uh, you know, terminology that we hear used around fiction, uh, which I think also applies to D&D um so I'm staring at this blank page what like what is your advice like how do I start like where should I go from here to get through this ending and at least get that first draft done
0: um well definitely your character your main character or characters um my agent has worked with me on this multiple times when I've gone through I've written the whole manuscript and then she's like okay now you need to go outline it because we can (laughs) you know (laughs) there's some areas right and the first thing she asks with my character, and she'll just ask me, we'll have a phone call she'll ask me, what is their uh, emotional wound, internal wound? And what is their misbelief? So what do they believe to be true wholeheartedly that's wrong? And what is their emotional wound? What is the one thing that someone could say to them that would break them? And then you just kind of, work on that because that's going to be your climax. That's what they're going to have to face. They're going to have to face this misbelief that they believe um, whatever truth it is that they believe and it's going to have to make them reflect and realize that they were wrong Um, and at the core, what would hurt them the most and how do they face that, how they overcome that. So every character gets that, even side characters, Um, even if they have a few lines, because that will drive their motivation, every choice they make, every situation you put them in, if you can go back to that, that that's how they will make their choice, um, and it'll it'll drive your story forward, and it'll keep the momentum, and it'll make the character feel uh, more real, um, because they're gonna be that's their core belief, that's that's how they are, um, and you can have as your story progresses, you can have side characters or um, any interactions they have, question that belief that they have, um, and have them kind of... Uh, they're, they're, I think we've talked about this before, the attack by ally.
1: They'll mm. question, be
0: like, you really think you need to go into that castle and steal that treasure now? Like, really? That's that's really what you want to do? Well, I have to. That's the only way I can afford to bail out my brother that's been in jail. Like, that's the only way. That's the only way to do it. And their friend, their best friend... It's like, "Mm, is that, is that really what the, you know? And so you have that attack by ally and that just makes them really question their core belief, like what they believe, but that's their drive. They're going to go into that castle. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to get caught. They're going to get, you know, sold to a gladiator arena or whatever. And so that's, you have to constantly be (laughs) crossing that and throughout your story until the end when they finally figure it out. So that, Definitely when you start, sit down with your characters, the eye color, hair color. Yeah, sure do that too. (laughs) It's nice to go back later because I've had characters eye color change throughout. Um, (laughs) So that's good too. Or start a Pinterest board like with actors or models that you think look like it so that you can kind of reflect. Um, The more you can prep ahead of time, the less you'll have to stop in the middle of drafting and be like, do they have brown hair? Or is it more like red hair? And then if you stop, then you stop writing. Yeah. So yeah, the more you can prep ahead of time, you know, Pinterest board or whatever, um, have their their internal conflict or their you know their misbelief and emotional wound, definitely have those front and center, and then just refer back to those whenever um, an obstacle is put in front of them or anything like that. Um, and then you have you know your world building and all that and your your main arc, but that will get a lot of your story written for you. Um, whatever scene, you know, you can have scenes plotted out too. Um, every time you come to that scene, um, then you know how your character's going to go from A to B, um, based on their choices.
1: Talked about this. I only plot sex scenes. I don't plot anything else. (laughs) Wait, should I be writing romance? (laughs) It's kind of coming together for me now.
0: (laughs) I, I do... I used to just do chapter by chapter and I still do a little bit, but I've gotten to the point and I've heard other authors talk about this too, especially ones, veteran authors have been writing a long time. They go scene by scene. They really go um, scene by scene and then they'll decide, oh, the scene is too long. I need to break it out into smaller scenes or this scene, for example, if a character comes to something that's way too much of a challenge for them, like, you know, back into a corner, Can you move that scene somewhere else? Like Mm. later. So you can write and it's not garbage. Like you can just (laughs) shuffle the scene to a different time. Um, Or, you know, they have like, um, there's usually a scene where you're in your car or you're traveling and it's like kind of just this back and forth, you know, back and forth. Um, And it's kind of a, a trope where you have like a car ride scene and it's usually like slower pace. So you probably don't want to put that right before the, or right in the middle of the climax. Like that's probably something you want the beginning, but you don't want it too close because it'll slow down everything. So, like, you can kind of move your scenes around and ignore chapters um, and then go go from there. You're giving so me that's so something I've ideas. Started, <laughs> that's something I've started developing. Um, and for more motivation, you have some scenes, like sex scenes, or like the fun and games section where they're, like, doing some cool training or whatever. Um, I call those my candy scenes. So those are ones I will put off, <laughs> and I will write the harder scenes, like the really emotional ones, um, or just the ones that are really complex, more characters introduced, uh, or if they go to a new place and you have to describe the architecture. That's like my biggest struggle is oh. an interior of a mansion. I have to describe yeah. it. I'm always I come back last to those. Like I hate those. So um, I will force myself to get through that, and then I can go write my candy scene. I can go write. The kissing scene that I've been wanting to write since I first came up with the idea of the book. I, I dangle that as a cherry and then I can go write it. And then I love it because then you're like, yay, I finally get to the point that I've wanted to write. So, yeah, that's part, that's- part of my motivation
1: and that makes sense like I think I've I I think you've given me that advice before so I've I've taken Mm -hmm. it and I will say the other thing like describing interiors is is really hard for me too um Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how I wanted to describe the interior of a character's home um, but I knew kind of like what it would feel like and what it would look like. And I had um, it looked like on on Pinterest, I had like stumbled upon a room or like a series of rooms. It was like actually an Airbnb uh, that was in a setting that I really liked. And I was like, oh, perfect. I'll just in my head, imagine that this is the space that this character lives in. And I was like, and I'll write uh, in brackets, describe his house. And I was like, oh, I'll come back to that later. Well, then I I finally got back to that section where I was writing the description. uh, Like, okay, what does the house look like? And then at one point I was like, oh, shoot. Well, I was imagining there was a fireplace. There's a fireplace in the picture that I was using as a reference. But I don't think that I and then control F. I'm like, oh, shit, I did write the fireplace in because like just casually, because I didn't need to describe where it was because I had a reference image and I knew which image I was going to use. To describe the scene, it was a much easier for me to say like, oh, I can come back and figure out what goes where because it's just in the picture.
0: And it typically your I would say the first half of your manuscript is going to have the heavier description scenes as the pace progresses and ramps up the tension. You're not describing as much. <laughs> um, you just don't need to because the reader is like they're going, they're going. They don't need to hear all the detail like they just it's more it kind of gets more into like dialogue action. And less like slow down the pace. Like you definitely have to pick up the pace towards the end to kind of keep the reader going. Um, And so, again, the beginnings. That's I usually I get through those so I can write the good like the good stuff that I'm looking forward to. So
1: you don't think she she drew the dagger as the breath left her lungs, and she looked down at the ornate. Uh, bejeweling inside the hilt, uh, and yeah. I mean, like on the green
0: velvet love seat that was oh, probably yes. 18th century that her great aunt would have had something like that in her apartment and, you know, just <laughs> like no no we don't need to talk about this <laughs> Time the place. Time the place. <laughs> or, or the window that's stained glass and it's you know yeah you don't need a unless they go through the window or mm. break the window Ooh, you that's really fine. don't yeah you really don't need to know about that like they were thrown on the love seat or whatever like it doesn't need to be you don't need to describe towards the end beginning sure um but towards the end yeah you just it just bogs down your story that makes sense
1: yeah well um this has been really helpful i feel like i have a ton of ideas and i'm ready to go like i'm ready to go put pen to paper so uh i think that i'm just gonna i'm gonna pivot if that's good with you we could probably just
0: start writing is that? Yeah. Yeah. I one last thing I want to say is if you're writing, you were saying that there's a lot of overlap between D&D and writing novels or fiction. Mm -hmm. When you are writing fiction or novels, you have complete control over your story. (laughs) Yeah. And your characters and their growth is a lot more rapid. You could read a book in three days. You play D&D campaigns for three or four years. Mm -hmm. So and you're also dealing with live people that make live choices with no fear or risk of themselves where in your story your character believes they can actually get hurt they believe that you know their choices they have to live with where your character you you know in D&D they're like I'll jump off that cliff sure you know yeah uh the stakes are a little bit lower that way so you kind of have to you have to be flexible both ways um, you make
1: a good distinction there, because I do think that if you fire up your D&D session, everybody's on the line, and a player makes a choice for a character that isn't necessarily how you expected something to go or how you wanted something to go, uh, hey, DMs, you don't get to say no. You don't. That's not really. Ooh, no. That's not really how this works. If you want to call all the shots for the characters and the scene and the set, you're you probably just want to write a book. And that's great. Good for you. But like let let people do the stuff they want to like i mean it doesn't have to always be crazy all the time if they're like doing things outside the scope of what you're comfortable with let them know but like if a player makes a bad choice like because the character the player thinks in their heart that that's the character's drive like oh he would truly use charm person in this really tense situation it's absolutely gonna backfire But I'm pretty sure that this is what this character would want to do. Even though you think it's a bad idea, let it happen. See what like like let it roll. If you if you want to control it all, write a book.
0: Yeah, exactly. You have to give them choices. You set it up, and you give them choices, and then you just stand back and let them choose those choices. And there will be consequences. They know that there will be repercussions. They know that, but they're there to have fun. They're not there to have some amazing epic. A story you go read a book you go write yeah. a book if you want yeah so um you kind of have to there there is overlap but there's also a big difference too and um trying to control the uncontrollable will just make you frustrated and your your players frustrated so, Absolutely. yeah it's a give and take
1: yeah good point good point of clarification i think the thanks for bringing that up yeah yeah
0: this is fun i kind of yeah. like talking about endings i don't want our campaign to end i know it I, will I know it will and I will remember these characters forever but um I'm
1: going to get a tattoo of these characters I love them so much. <laughs> we have had
0: some art commissioned. I love that. I'll treasure those forever. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, but it I think it, it's it's it has to. And with D&D it's kind of fun because you can be like these characters are still alive. They're still doing you can imagine what they're still doing or if you still play in the same um Faerûn, still still playing the same, um, Faerun, you're still playing the same- you know, maybe they're doing something still and you'll run across them at some point. So that's always kind of fun too.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, they will live in a very special place for me. This is definitely the, well, I mean, we've talked about this is the only campaign we've ever ended. I will say this is the only time I've ever played D&D that we've had uh, the same group of people and the same group of characters consecutively for this long, we've never ended a campaign before because it always like, ah, eh, Peter's out and mm-hmm, like then mm-hmm. break and then we start with new people and this one moves away. And so um it's pretty exciting and it's also really
0: scary. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for talking to me today. I feel like uh, we put off ending this podcast episode for long (laughs) enough and uh, I think it's very fitting. So um, we have been out of initiative, uh, but we're gonna get back into it. So get out there and roll some dice and tell some stories and we will see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thanks for listening to Out of Initiative, a podcast from Merely NPCs. For more from Sarah and Morgan, visit MerelyNPCs.com or follow them on Instagram at MerelyNPCs.